Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Right, I just spoiled the iron claw for Seth. Not the whole thing, but part of it. And I'm hitting pay right now on Venmo. I'm sending Seth $19.99 via Venmo. I just Venmo'd, <laughs> the money you. I paid I just, on I just Venmoed you $19.99 for your rental fee on the iron claw. That's the, that like, is what... Yeah. Just don't sue me for punitive damages or anything. It's you know. I would get. Let me give a quick history lesson for the kids. Kids, back in the day, there was a weird period of time where VHS movies, if you wanted to buy it, they cost like eighty nine dollars. Crazy. Yes. It was crazy, and this was like what, like usually four or five months after the movie came out, you'd have to pay a premium to get that movie. It would pay like eighty five, ninety dollars. There's the whole the whole VHS game was a whole lot of. You know, putting duct tape over tabs on the cassette and all this stuff. (laughs) So, or electrical tape. Um, And then, but then that kind of went away and they made them more reasonable. But yet you still couldn't watch a movie close to its release. Now we're, I feel like we've reached a sweet spot where, okay, fewer people are actually going to the theaters, but you're also able to buy, like the Iron Claw, did that just come out? Yeah, Amy like, and I saw it in the theater within the last two months, probably. Yeah, yeah. So like, you can get it either on the release date or very close to when it's in theaters for like nineteen bucks, and I, I'm okay with that. And I'm a, it's a, it hurts a little bit. I'm like nineteen ninety nine for a, but yeah, I get to keep it forever digitally. Yeah, I don't have to keep it in a on a in a bookshelf. A oh, so bookshelf you, that you use for VHS so, tapes. So yeah. you get so nineteen ninety nine is like a download. You get to that's not a rental fee. That's a you that's always a, have access to oh, it. Okay, yeah. well, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm canceling my Venmo to you then. Oh, you yeah. get to keep it. <laughs> which for uh, which is, you know for comedies it makes more sense. I think yeah. like you're more likely to rewatch a comedy than a drama. Yeah, rewatching Iron Claw. I don't want to say anything else about the movie. Rewatching Iron Claw. I, dot dot dot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to find out. I see the because the next time I watch that character die will be the third time I've heard about it. <laughs> so uh, the the second time I watch it will be the third time I've see, heard. See, this about is the, it. one of those times I assume people know more about wrestling than they do. You're never gonna live this down the same way you won't live down asking if that dude was on stilts at the Texas. <laughs> <laughs> you asked hey everybody kids and adults alike we were at, we were at a texans game go ahead i deserve this show. go ahead turn a, a commercial I, I was like hey sean look at those guys there are two guys maybe about 10 foot tall uh, all legs walking through the crowd and and sean says are they on stilts <laughs> So now, now about three times a year, Sean uh, says something where I'm able to say to him, "Hey, Sean, 
Are those guys on stilts? And then, and then, and then, fifteen minutes later, I looked up the wrong Fred Weary on Wikipedia. That's <laughs> probably right. the pregame show. That was a hell of a That's day. That's all right. You've got your stilts, and I've got my um, Derek Newton. There you so. go. There you go. Um, MVP odds are out for next year. C.J. Stroud is fourth on the board. How about that, Seth? Fourth on the board for most valuable player of the NFL in 2025. I know these are futures bets. And yeah. they're they're flawed. I get it, but that's it's, all right. That's all right. Don't don't let me kill your futures back it's, for but, you. But, but, it's, yeah. but this, it, it, I think it frames perception, and the yeah. perception is that C.J. Stroud deserves to be among the names like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow. The three names that are ahead of him right now. So Josh Allen at eight to one versus C.J. Stroud, I at ten to one. I wonder with Josh Allen right now in that team having to face some really tough decisions in free agency with all kinds of cap. I don't want to say like everybody can work their way around cap issues, but it's it's going to be the, the Bills are not going to be able to remain the same team. They're not going to be able to retain some of these guys. And then you have this constant, constant drama with Stefan Diggs and Stefan Diggs either agitating or putting mysterious the posts on social media out or just outright being angry about stuff and like Josh Allen already I've already seen a clip this offseason of him saying like nah I love Stefan Diggs Mm -hmm. like he has to go out and like reaffirm that he loves Stefan Diggs I don't know exactly what that Bills team is going to be next year I actually would feel I feel like CJ is actually um has a better chance than Josh Allen, perhaps. Even though right now Josh Allen has a, a much better like total MVP caliber track record than CJ Stroud. Yeah, I might have been a year early on the demise of the Bills. I thought the Bills would take a big tumble this year, and for a while it looked like I was right. They were six and yeah. six, but they finished strong down the stretch. Firing Ken Dorsey wound up being the right thing to do. Their offensive coordinator, and they got to the two seed in the AFC. I think here's the scary thing about this, Seth. If you look at the MVP yeah. odds, I'm looking at the revised odds right now. CJ is still sitting at fourth at 10-1, to and the same three guys are ahead of him. The odds have been slightly revised to where Jordan Love is actually tied with C.J. Stroud uh, at 10-1, to and the reigning MVP is down at seventh, Lamar Jackson. Here's the scary thing for Texans fans, or maybe the fun thing, depending on how scary if you're looking to win 12 or 13 games, fun if you're doing a radio show or you're looking for week-to-week drama with the team. They play all these quarterbacks next year. They play Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. They play Josh Allen uh, uh, at home in NRG. They play Jordan Love in Green Bay. You go down to Lamar Jackson. They play Lamar Jackson uh, at NRG next year. Um, You you know, Dak Prescott is ninth on this list. Of the top nine guys, they play five of them, and C.J. Stroud is one of them, you know? That's a. I love it when MVP races play out that way. Yeah. And usually, okay, the quarterbacks don't play the other quarterback directly. But look, uh, it's fun to think of it this way. In that realm, if they that, do. If this, yeah. If this quarterback beat those three quarterbacks and the stats are all similar, then boom, there you go. I the when the year that JJ Watt was second in MVP, I think I think the thing that actually could have put him over the top is if they had. If he had beat some of those MVP candidates as a team. Yeah. You know, like if he had beat – who won it that year? Was it Luck? Did Luck win it that year? That was Rodgers won it that year. Rodgers won it that Aaron Rodgers won it that year, 2014. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, this, uh, it, it's, this is where I get excited about next year because, uh, like, the 
you're taking the bumpers out of the the bowling alleys mm-hmm. lanes. Yes. You know, like they're yes. like, okay, you got some breaks schedule wise this year, Texans. And we all know it. There's no hiding from it or running from it. I think the Texans know it. It's just that you gotta <clears throat> I like that the schedule sets up this way because I think there will be no illusions by anybody. Um like there sometimes are where you just expect there to be momentum that carries you into being a better team the next year. Yep. Like, cause every football coach struggles with this in the off season. Andy Reed knows this and I'll talk about it. Like, look, you don't just step back on the field, the same team that you were the year before. You don't just step back on the field, uh, a future Super Bowl champion. Cause you just won one. And those are the teams that have had the most success in the league. So everybody has to kind of reset expectations. So now you're staring at all of those marquee quarterbacks that it, I, I think it makes it a lot easier to, to keep your eye on the prize because you know you got some big-time challenges. Big-time challenges, up. and you're losing 30 free – you have 30 free agents. Some of them you'll probably retain. Um, but there's a lot of work to do on the roster, no doubt about it. Um, Blake Cashman was on Good Morning Football yesterday – and was asked oh. about C.J. Stroud and his leadership. Oh, man, there's uh, not enough good things you can say about him. You know, he's just an outstanding player and even a better man. You know, talk about somebody that came in as a rookie that had to be the face of the franchise right away. And he, uh, his leadership was, you know, remarkable. You know, he was vocal. He, he owned the, the spotlight, owned the position of, you know, being QB1. But, you know, the most impressive thing about him was just his his demeanor and composure uh, throughout the season. You know, he never flinched in the face of adversity. Um, the moment was never too big. You know, it's almost like that that killer Kobe incident, that Mamba mentality where no matter what was going on in the game, whether we needed to make a play or keep rolling, you know, he he was just calm and steady all the way through the games. So... Yeah, and I, I think like CJ's talked quite a bit because he's been asked about it a lot. Just how do you establish yourself as a leader, as a young player? And the the cool thing about it is he he was very methodical about forming a relationship with guys immediately in the off season, taking them bowling and all of that. And um, I think like that part, the the calm, cool, and collected under pressure though is the first thing that leapt out to me as a as a player mm-hmm. is that. The, the old analogy that Ted Johnson always used to use about, hey, you're going through turbulence, just look at the flight attendants. If the flight attendants aren't freaked out, then everything's probably fine. If the flight attendants are freaked out, then you start to get nervous. So you never want to be the quarterback that looks like a nervous flight attendant. And I think CJ, especially early in the year, he had the toughest challenge there was, which was he was, he was starting off the season with four backup offensive linemen. And I watched him very closely and watched his face and watched his body language in those games. He never once showed any frustration with the offensive line. And, you know, there are a lot, you might say like, well, that's easy. Like, no, dude, that's like, you're getting your kidneys bruised and you're you're getting, you're getting physically pummeled. And we've seen other quarterbacks show frustration or start to God help you. If you're a young quarterback that yells at a veteran offensive tackle or something, Uh, it's just, it doesn't go well. You might think, well, like, yeah, that's just me. Nah, it doesn't go well. So like CJ understood and knew his role as a rookie. I think over time, I have zero worries about whether he's going to be enough of a taskmaster. Like some of the, because some really good quarterbacks, I think the thing that keeps them from becoming a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady or one of like the genuine greats is that they just really don't hold guys accountable enough. Like they just don't have enough of that balance between being a good dude and a prick. And I think, like, I think CJ's got that. 
Uh, uh, Will, Will uh, in one of the interviews I was watching, was talking about how much trash he talks during practice. Like, he's just, like, as a defensive player, he pisses you off because he talks a lot of trash, yeah. which is something that Brady used to do a lot during practice. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so the text message, CJ's head is getting bigger by the day. That's oh interesting. boy! Okay. No, this uh, braids have just gotten fuller. And thicker. He's got <laughs> yeah. he's got better product. He's growing now. it out. Yeah. He goes, yeah. So you can uh, you can revitalize and all that that he he couldn't didn't afford he couldn't afford that it was just mere nil money. I do think that okay. I'm glad you brought up the nil money because yeah, he's been he's been getting money for endorsements for a long time. I do think that there's probably people out there that see like the Cheetos commercial, the the multitude of interviews on Radio Row. He's speaking yeah. for Pepsi now. He's playing in the Celebrity All-Star Game this Friday night, tomorrow night. Is it too much? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. There, people are worrying the same thing about CJ that Kansas City Chiefs fans are worrying about Travis Kelsey in the offseason. Hey, it's easy to stay focused during the season. What do you do with this new worldwide celebrity in the offseason? This Travis Kelsey comes back. I, I feel like Travis Kelsey is going to come back 40 pounds heavier with oh. pink hair and, uh, in, in, in July, and it might just be the it might be the, uh, an extended retirement tour for Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey comes back looking like Jason Kelsey. That would be sweet. Big old beer or, barrel belly. Yeah. That, yeah, that would be, yeah. Did we sign Jason same, Kelsey? Same beard and everything. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. I Honestly, if I had to predict, don't worry, everybody. We're not going to make a segment out of this. I would think that as it often happens, man, it's easy to fall in love with somebody when you have a limited time together and there's exciting things going on, mm-hmm. like a Super Bowl chase. Uh, spend some time together for extended periods of time, and then talk to me mm-hmm. about how strong your relationship is. Right. So that's a test that those two lo- young lovers have is they're going to have extended time together now. I, I don't know when her like you know what her performance schedule is like or anything, but yeah, she's in what's Australia. It, what's right it like now. when? What's it like when Travis is farting at hey. 6 a.m. and you just want to get some sleep? She, right. She definitely was not at the parade yesterday. Otherwise, I don't think he would have stepped up to the mic and sang Friends oh, in I Low Places. I've got yet. it. I've got yeah. it for a little later okay. on this hour. It was He was a mess, well, dude. A, I think her schedule was she had to get to Australia she for did. some more performances yep. or something. She's like back that. in Australia now. So that's, I mean, that is commitment so that part, to honestly, travel. Uh, like as far as like not trying to force Taylor Swift talk or anything like I, like that is a, a very real consideration is how do guys handle success yeah. and how do guys handle distraction in the off season. I think that like I don't worry about that with CJ. For one, I don't like he claims he doesn't drink. Um, I say claims because I don't care whether he does or he doesn't. But like I, uh, if he just genuinely doesn't drink, but he's one of these guys that's still capable of going out and having a good time. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, good for him. That's I like really, really, really good for him. That's a that that's because you got a lot of distraction and potential and enticing enticing distractions in the off season. Yeah, dude. And if you're uh, in a haze of alcohol, it's hard to stay focused. All I know is Patrick Mahomes is in every commercial that I see on TV. It feels like, and that dude just won his third Super Bowl. I'm not worried about CJ's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. off field oh, no, no, stuff no. in February. I'm not, I'm not saying that like yeah, right. I'm not saying like yeah. oh no, what if he actually does? No, I'm just saying like that's one extra. Uh, Peg, uh, peg up the board in a good way. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, gosh. If, he, if he's like, because he enjoys socializing and everything. Right. right. But if you, if he's one of these people that are can enjoy socializing without alcohol, God bless him. Yes. Those are those are. I'm so jealous of those people. <laughs> I am too. Because uh, you can you can dominate the world with uh, with that ability to oh, both yeah. socialize and have a good time in parties, oh. genuinely enjoy yourself, yeah. but not have a sip of alcohol. Yeah. Good for you. Clean a clean head and good sleep. Yeah, for sure. Um, yep. So I think maybe CJ's head is getting bigger by the day. Text guy is thinking like where he's going on podcasts and saying he's a top five quarterback. 
That's a little unconventional. Yeah. You know, that's, you don't see that a lot with rookie guys. I think you got to remember a lot of it is like, okay, he had the Pro Bowl and then he had the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, and so he was at the Pro Bowl. You get interviewed a lot, a lot of media opportunities. You're at the Super Bowl. He had just won rookie of the year. He's everybody's favorite interview at that point. It's not like CJ has like all of a sudden turned into one of these guys that's like just like more concerned about the fame or any of that than the actual game itself. Agreed. Yes. I think it was just one week in the really nine days in the off season yeah. where he was going to have a lot of cameras and microphones on him. If his Instagram ever starts to look like Deshaun Watson's Instagram, I'll get concerned. I, if you look at Deshaun yeah. Watson's Instagram, you'd think that he's like a travel influencer or something like that. Um, all right, Payne Pendergast with you. Talked about C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson. Seth and I are uh, modified pitch men. We do commercials. Seth's about to do one right here. Let's rate Will Anderson's pitchman skills in the next segment, among other things. That is next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, Seth, you... um. We're going to get to Will Anderson here. You lit up during the break. You had that big book of business ideas look on your face during the break. I did, which we said we were going to make a Google Doc, but we can't seem to get up the gumption. Someday we for, will, to, yeah. To spend 10 seconds. Someday two budding Google entrepreneurs doc. will get the gumption to put a Google Doc together. If I could just click this button on the page I'm looking at right now for a new document. But, Share it with my um, co-host, yep. So we were joking about how uh, if well I did a segue into a live read because we were talking about how for you know a lot of the new movies on Amazon Prime are like 1999, mm-hmm. and I thought man if only I could finance it <laughs> then I might be able to stomach that a little bit better. And, and I spoiled uh, this particular movie for those who were just tuning. Yeah, in. yeah. Seth so movie, one point, uh, but the 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 Bayway Chevrolet ad they were offering one point nine percent for seven years. So mm. I thought, oh, what if I could just do that nineteen ninety nine at one point nine percent for seven years? Yeah. And uh, somebody broke down the the math for me mm-hmm. on it. It was one point nine percent for seven years would have been thirty cents a month for seventy two months. I can handle that. Yeah. I can handle that. Yeah, 72 months so is, I did that. 72 I months is like, oh. six years, but okay. Yeah. It's- but I kind of like the idea maybe of like predatory microloans as a business. <laughs> micro, microloans. Yeah. Like, uh, so for, okay, you know, 20, what if I, what if I charge 30% interest on 1999? Right. Uh, you know, where somebody wants to make an impulse purchase. Yep. And then boom, there I go. I mean, I got to obviously do a lot more volume than uh, somebody selling mortgages, but still. For the cost of a stick of gum... A yeah. month, you could have this movie for the next yes, six years. Yes. Yeah, 
Yes. Well, anytime that's predatory the predatory micro micro loans. Predatory micro micro loans, and it, you got to equate it to something that sounds super insignificant. They always get me with the for the price of a cup of coffee, you can save this yeah. family in a third world country, and I'm like, God, I feel that like a, a jerk buying this coffee right now. But what if I drink the coffee and that gives me even more energy to brainstorm ideas for helping those kids? It'll actually save them aside from my money. Right, right, right. Yeah. I think uh, by me uh, by me drinking a cup of coffee and uh, uh, contributing more to our GDP, yes. then we'll be able to send more foreign aid to that country. That's exactly right. It's a trickle-down so. coffee, Seth, effect. That's exactly right. And that'll allow us yeah. the resources to start our predatory micro-micro-loan business. For impoverished movie purchasers, yes. Put it in the put it in the book, Ben. Yep, Ben. Predatory micro micro loans. Until we get the Google Docs set up, put it in the book. I don't want. I don't see you writing things down in there, Ben. Write it down. Um, Will Anderson. Will Anderson was making the rounds on Radio Row, including on In the Loop. He was doing so on behalf of Jif Peanut Butter, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's hear Will Anderson laying out. This is the Athletic Podcast, right? The Athletic Podcast, and the voice you're going to hear is Robert Mays, who's interviewing. And Robert, Robert did a great job interviewing Will Anderson uh, because he like Robert's a very like he's a very football X's and O's type of guy. He's very very smart about the technical side of football. Yeah. But I think he's just so blown away by Will Anderson's personality. Then almost this entire interview ended up being about things like culture and leadership and stuff like that until the very end when. Uh, Will Anderson does the dreaded radio row pitch, except I was blown away by his mastery of salesmanship. I ask you a question. At what party that you go to for the Super Bowl, what's probably the number one thing that's going to be there? Wings. Absolutely. Yeah. And what else comes with wings? Celery, fries. But a billion wings get eaten almost every year around the world. And the only thing that gets thrown away is the celery. So we're partnering up with Jeff to save the celery. <laughs> And we got some peanut butter to go with it, man. So it's going to be the, you know, the new best rookie edition that we got. And this is just the beginning, man. I'm super excited to be partnering with them, man, and my love for peanut butter. And, yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> like his love for okay. peanut butter. Okay. I love that he loves peanut butter. Okay, can damn I, it. Can I I'm going to buy some damn jam. No, I got, you know why I got excited for this, Sean? Why? I was watching the podcast, mm-hmm. and I saw these little GIF singles. Which is one of my little hacks, like when I'm trying to not get too far out of whack when I'm traveling. Um, but like I know I can just okay, I can eat something that's not too bad. I just I get bagels and those little single serving, the little dips. mini cups, right? Yeah, little, yeah, and I'll have a bagel and I'll kind of dip it into the peanut butter, oh, yeah. and then there you go. There's a meal right there. There you go. And uh, so I got excited. I and I went out and I bought some Jif after I watched this interview. I was shopping for other stuff, but I was like, I need Jif. Hell yeah. So there you go. And part of it is just now you're going to look at Jif and you're going to think of Will Anderson, who naturally makes people feel good when they think of him. He has a love of peanut butter. I'm going to tell and you. And I do think, I, do think I, I see and sense that at some point, Will Anderson is going to be touring the Jif headquarters and like giving pep talks to everybody on the, on the production line and everything. He should. I'm going to tell you. He'll look at the, and telling them that we're all teammates in this yep. together in yep. the peanut butter game. Can I... Um, Get a little sales nerdy here for a second. The part I was most yeah. impressed by with all this, ben ben, 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 play it again. Ben, play it. And not I'll long. Ask you a question. At what party that you go to for the Super Bowl? What's probably the number one thing that's going to be there? Wings, absolutely. Yeah. And there you what go. Else right there. Persuade through involvement. That is yeah, a sales yeah. catchphrase. That is a sales mantra. You don't sell to somebody by just persuading and giving your version of everything and begging them to buy from you. You yeah. persuade by asking questions. 
What's you get important them to, to come you. in and like, oh, and then so he, he gets a que- he gets an answer right, right, and everybody loves getting answers right. Yes, like, oh yeah, yeah. all right, we're onto something yep. here. Yep, he had a little bit of a eureka moment. Yes, and then now he's participating in the argument. Will Anderson, you can be my latex salesman any day of the week. This is how. Okay, so how do I use this? And like, okay, if I'm trying to convince somebody of like. Uh, uh, the death penalty or something, right? <laughs> You'd be like, hey, what do you really want to do to somebody at least once a day? Kill him. I don't want to kill him. Yes. <laughs> Let's give Will Anderson the ultimate heat What check. have I told you? Let's send Will Anderson to Radio Row next year to talk about the death penalty with yes. all of the shows. Yes. What do you, what do you hey, really feel? Hey man. What do you really, really feel like in your in the depths of your soul when somebody has angered you or done you wrong? Once a day, I want to kill him. Once a day, once a day. What do you feel like doing? What do you feel? Killing somebody, right? Right. I like him better. Uh, I like him better pitching peanut butter. That's just my yeah. personal preference. No, but but it's funny. I went back and uh, I was like doing a Will Anderson deep dive yesterday, trying to find some audio. So I watched three different interviews from Radio Row. And I think I could tell the sequence uh, the, from I, – I could, I could have told you which interviews he did first by how smooth he was with the ad. And I think that like that was the smoothest one I saw. So I'm guessing he did the athletic later in the day oh, than okay. some of the earlier He got ones. better yeah. as the day went on. He got super comfortable doing it. Okay, yeah. I hope that's a metaphor for him in year two of his NFL career, right? Yeah. Like he got better as the season went on. He started piling up sacks in the back half of the season. He only had one sack at the halfway point. He finished with yeah. seven or seven and a half, whatever the number well, was. Well, that's what uh, the 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 thing I can't remember. I did a thumbnail for one of my Will Anderson videos when I was excited about him during the season. Um where I I said something it was like something like the machine is learning or because it is Something like that, because there is that feel about Will Anderson, and that, like the reason he got the nickname the Terminator was that when he the way he plays, it's like he never changes speed. Like whether he gets knocked on the ground, whether he gets off balance or whatever, he just kind of keeps going forward without ever stopping. It's kind of freakish. Yeah, and I think likewise he he's like that in the way he wants to learn things. So kind of like a scary machine robot that would learn things and uh, all of a sudden become uh, uh, have artificial intelligence. That's what he feels like with him. Yeah, like he's, he was talking about with uh, in the loop guys about adding the spin move to his repertoire. Yeah, he's been working on it, working on it, working on it. I feel like this year now that he's got his legs underneath him in the NFL, Ooh, this might be kind of like the you know when James Harden would work yeah. on something all yeah, off season. Yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden there he is with his step back. Absolutely, um, or his gather step step back. Yeah. Yeah. Except for this, the nice thing about the spin move is we as a fan base aren't going to have to learn the intricacies of a gather step and then try to defend it. To no, the rest of the no. League. The spin move is yeah. legal. Plus, yeah, I, yeah, plus yeah. I feel like Will Anderson is just a better sports person than James Harden is. You know? <laughs> He's a better sports like, person. I, mean, I feel like Will Anderson probably not at the strip club the night before a I, game. <laughs> he does. I feel like Will Anderson just does sports things differently uh, yeah, than I'm James Harden. I'm not saying Harden James Harden's a things. bad person, person. But I think he can be no. a bad sports person sometimes. Well, okay. Now this is a, it's not bad, but there was a there was a there's a gimmicky nature to James Harden and why he's so good. That always uh, like it's not bad at all, but it was always like him just figuring out a way to just brush up against the rule book. You know, like yeah. uh, that his specialty was drawing fouls yeah. or his specialty was the gather step, step back that yes. everybody thinks is a travel. Like all of these Dude. little, almost sleight of hand more so than just hitting you over Dude, the head. Wouldn't you love to look at James Harden's taxes every year? Do you see how many <laughs> like different loopholes he's using to not pay any tax? 
You know what it was? It's like if you're in medieval times, James Harden, if you were an assassin, he would totally be somebody who poisons people. Yeah. Instead of like somebody that's like good with a, a, a longbow right. from 500 yards away or something. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. He just, he would, he would choose the sneakiest, most conniving way to murder somebody. Yes. Um, text message, OMG, Will, Will Anderson is a natural pitch man. I agree. I would hire yeah. him as a salesperson. Will Anderson is excellent. He sold me some peanut butter. Hell, Seth just bought a tub of peanut butter. Seth. Normally only a singles cup, Jif Fire. Bought a whole jar, thanks to Will Anderson. <laughs> I was talking about Will Anderson going through and giving pep talks to people on the assembly line at Jif. Yeah. Uh, somebody makes a good point. If I'm a worker at Jif making $15 an hour, I would be annoyed by a 22-year-old coming Not in Will and Anderson. yelling at me to work harder. Not Will Anderson. <laughs> no. I defy you. You would love him. <laughs> no, he wouldn't be He wouldn't be giving him pep talks as much as just uh, spreading the love. No, because yeah. his dad was like a blue-collar worker growing up, and Will used to go to work with him. Like, Will respects the working class. Yeah, man. it sounds like his dad worked his butt off. And like the sea- seafood four, industry. Four, four sisters? Five, five sisters. sisters to do? Five sisters and a Will. And a How will. about that? Imagine, you're like, okay, <laughs> you have uh, five sisters, and that's a lot, you know, just to support five five young girls uh and then along comes your boy your sixth one and you're like oh wow we've got a boy and he ends up being a kid that probably eats three times as much as all those sisters oh combined. my god yeah so he's probably working he's probably working three jobs a day trying to keep up with Just those to six feed kids. will yeah yeah oh man hey let's give away some rodeo tickets rodeo's coming up cook-off starts a week from today right today's thursday a week from today and then the rodeo starts shortly after that if you want to go check out carly pierce Live at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, February 28th. Caller number five. Caller number five, 713-572-4610. We'll do this again in the final hour of the show. We're going to do it all day long, giving away tickets to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Carly Pierce, caller number five. Okay, I have to say one more thing about sure. Will Anderson because yeah. one of our listeners made a perfect point about giving pep talks to corporate people, mm-hmm. like uh, to, to executives. Uh, yeah. No, they, if they win a Super Bowl... Will is so, so incredibly good at talking about culture and instilling a certain type of culture. And he has a much different perspective on it than most athletes and CEOs. Because he talks a lot. It's a big, strong dude that talks a lot about love and showing love for guys that maybe maybe grew up not not getting a lot of love and how much it means to them if you show them that love and everything. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's an excellent point. He is going to be... If the Texans can win a Super Bowl, Will Anderson will be a could if he chose to be like be a huge speaker, motivational like on the on the public uh, speaker circuit. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah, no question. Um, you know who's not a, a great public speaker at least at press conferences? Bill Belichick. This dynasty series about the Patriots drops on Friday. The first two episodes and there's yeah. stuff leaking out about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick that make me wonder: Is Bill Belichick really going to get another? head coaching job in the NFL that is next live from the Twin Peaks studios sports radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast all right Payne and Pendergast with you so the Patriots dynasty documentary is coming out on Friday well the first two episodes drop Friday this thing this is like the football version I guess of the last dance kind of right Seth is what it feels like the last dance was the (laughs) 10 10 part documentary about the Bulls Dynasty. I think the Bulls was. Only, I think it was only seven, but they were pretty long. Yeah, whatever. This it, was, is, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a. It was a very good. It very. It felt very much like um, it may have. 
It was going to be fewer, but then it was during COVID when people were going on binges of documentaries. Yeah, they released so. it early because of COVID. Like, people yeah. need this to watch. Yeah. One thing I think they've realized, though, too, I, I read an article about documentaries the other day, yeah. um, is that because of streaming, they've become much more profitable. Mm. And that also they've realized, like, okay, and we don't even have to make them that tight because people sit and binge watch these things. Yeah. So this is going to be 10 episodes. Yeah. Instead of like what might have normally been like. Two or three episodes. It's going to be ten episodes. Ten episodes. The hell out. Yep. Ten episodes. Yeah. Two drop each Friday on Apple TV. Um, yeah. And and so the Athletic and some other outlets have had a chance to preview this thing. They've had a chance to take a look at it and review it. And it's it's getting good reviews. Um, there's parts of it where if you're a Patriots fan, you're going to love. There's parts of it if you're a Patriots fan, you're going to want to bang your head against the wall. I would say the biggest story that's come out of all of this is yeah. the divorce of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and everything surrounding that. And quotes yeah. quotes from Brady. Here, here are the money quotes from Tom Brady. Me and Coach Belichick, we did what we loved and competed for 20 years together, uh, but I wasn't going to sign another contract in New England, even if I wanted to play until I was 50. Based on how things had gone, I wasn't going to sign up for more of it. End quote. Which runs yeah. contrary to a lot of the reports at the time, which was that the Patriots didn't want to give Brady the two-year $50 million contract that he was seeking and would ultimately get with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I, well, I guess that, that depends. I mean, I, some of these articles that are written like uh, are telling me that, okay, yeah, Brady says that he didn't like Belichick anymore and that was what – that it had soured. Like, that quote right there I don't think specifically tells me that, so I have to trust the people that have seen the episode that, okay, yeah, that uh, in the proper context, that, that quote is uh, part of Brady just – souring on Belichick himself. I do think that maybe one of the things that Bel- that Brady is talking about there saying I wasn't going to sign up for more of it might have also been um nobody ever says it was about the money, you know. Uh but like I think that might be one whatever contract they offered Brady, that might have been the final nail in the coffin where you're like, yeah, all right, listen, that's enough. Those like, were the reports treating, at the time. You've been trying to Yeah, you mean what's that? Those were the reports at the time. Well, was, and continue the people in New England still feel that way, yeah. like the sports radio people and everything. Um yeah, I think that I think that the contract offer was probably maybe the final nail in the coffin or the final insult yeah. that, okay, I've, I've sacrificed a lot for you guys. And like, all right, this is, if you're going to keep playing this game of, you know, showing everybody that if I treat Tom like crap, then I can treat everybody else like crap too. The, the initial dribs and drabs that are coming out about this yeah. documentary is that it was just, and by the end, when you're not winning Super Bowls anymore, it's an absolutely brutal place to go in and work every day. And I think we've yeah. seen that play out in the last few years of Belichick when they haven't really been winning. Matt Slater, who's been there forever, special teams all pro. It was brutal, talking about coming into work every day. Rob Gronkowski described pulling up to one Patriot place, the mailing address for Gillette Stadium, and not wanting to get out of his car to go into work. Wes Welker compared Brady to an abused dog for continually going back to work for Bill Belichick. And again, these are all yeah. people, you know, what Welker's <laughs> a guy who left New England to go to Denver and play with Peyton Manning there. Um, so, you know, at one point he left there as well. Um, ESPN made local headlines last month when a story following Belichick's departure from the Patriots quoted someone referring to this documentary as, quote, an infomercial for Robert Kraft's pro football Hall of Fame candidacy, I guess because Kraft had to manage this whole thing as the owner, yeah. right? This is the the final, the money quote is from Kraft at the end of this article where he says, 
Tom and I had a number of discussions about how Bill treated him. Tommy is very sensitive. He was always looking for Bill's approval, almost in a father-son kind of way, and that's not Bill's style ever to give that. Yeah. And I think uh, like kind of like this Von Erich movie that I'm watching, The Iron Claw. Uh, look, it's one of the most productive things in life, I, I, just on a very surface level of things, is the... Uh, the son seeking the father's approval and a father who will never give that approval no matter what. That has yielded some incredible businesses. That has yielded some incredible football teams, like all of those things. It's certainly not the best way to, to lead a happy and fulfilling life, but for 20 years, it was damn, damn productive for the, the, for the New England Patriots. The best way to get to nine Super Bowls in 18 years, for sure. I, I, I guess my takeaway from this these initial stories, and I'm, I'm going to watch this documentary. I can't wait to watch it, especially now that we have a GM here who came from that yeah. environment. You know, We have a good relationship with Nick Casario. I, I don't know if he Casario, shows up well, in this. Casario may have also had that same dynamic with Bill Belichick. Maybe. You know, I mean, he was with him for 20 years, and there, like, there comes a point. It's like any movie you've seen about a, fa- a father and son business where the father just refuses to really believe that the son – is 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 as talented or as good as, or maybe he believes it, but he doesn't know how to show it. Yeah. And uh, like it's that dynamic that just drives the son to do greater and greater things. But then at some point you just explode, and you're like, ah, I gotta get the hell out of here. If I'm gonna I, go. I'm gonna go start an organic farm in Florida. If I were, if I were one of those owners that quote reached out to Belichick. Remember there was that story that several owners reached out to Belichick after the Falcons. And Belichick couldn't come to an agreement, whatever the what, you know, whether the Falcons offered or didn't, whatever. They, he's not coaching the Falcons. And there was the report that several owners reached out to Belichick to begin to gauge his availability for next year. Yeah. I, the initial reports on this documentary, I would for sure watch the documentary. The initial reports on the documentary, as well as this report that Albert Breer had in his column uh, earlier this week, that the Patriots quarterback room had been so toxic that Bailey Zappi would sometimes go watch tape in the receiver's room and not the quarterback room. Man. Yeah, and again, <laughs> look, maybe may, Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien would probably say that's a Bailey Zappi problem. Not a, We have a fine quarterback room. Yeah. But either way, whatever, it's happening, and it's all happening on Belichick's watch. And when I look at stuff like that, when you, you, you look at some of the decisions Belichick made once Brady was out of the building, which were incredibly janky, Matt Patricia... Yeah. Maybe even Bill O'Brien bringing him back, whatever the case may be. You look at the decisions he's making. You add in stories like the Bailey Zappi one. You add in whatever's going to come out from this documentary, and I'm sure there'll be a ton of positive to come out about Belichick. Yeah. But my guess is the positive probably start or stops at about 2019, and that's my big question. In today's NFL, does uh, that work? Does that work right. better than? What other alternatives to, are out there? Right. It's hard to say because it's also something that's never really happened before in football to have a stretch quite like that of dominance. Never happened, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just never happened in the NFL like that. So it's almost hard to – you can't compare it across eras because it's never happened in any era. So, I like, and I guarantee you, Sean, it's that classic, like, okay, guys from the 1970s would totally think that, uh, you know – Belichick was too soft and the players were too soft to make it this way or that way. I don't know. I think it in any given scenario, like with super successful businesses in, in super successful sports teams, there's usually like a few drivers. Like there's a few things that genuinely drive success. And the problem is that when people go in and try to deconstruct it and write books about it or give a report to Mr. Kraft about how it all works – 
or when those guys go off to coach their own teams, they tend to think that everything about the organization must be the reason for why it's so good. When in fact, like in my opinion, like it was obvious to me that there was always a whole lot of dysfunction in the Patriots organization, but they had a few key, they got a few key things really, really right, and it worked for them. And it was a combination of Belichick's defensive genius, Tom Brady being Tom Brady. I think Josh McDaniels might only be good as an offensive coordinator and maybe just for Tom Brady yeah. or, or, or young Mac Jones, whatever it might be. Like There were a few things that really drove everything else, but the mistake people make is thinking that all of this, like the, the maniacal weird behavior and everything is also part of the, the success, when in fact it's just something you get away with instead of something that actually drives success. So you get a Matt Patricia or you get uh, a Joe Judge or these other guys that go off and they think they got to replicate every little thing about Tom Brady. Scott Pioli was like that as a GM. Just from guys I know that were with the Chiefs, they're like, man, this guy's like seems like a hell of a guy, but like then he weirdly acts like a psycho head case. Mm-hmm. And it was in those instances where he was trying to imitate Bill, uh, Bill Belichick. I, I think it's like it's just um, – like yeah, I th- to answer your question, I think it would work. It's just it's very rare to find those those few key components yeah. and throw them all together. Yeah, you know? yeah. You, you, I, I think a personality type like Belichick in today's NFL gives you a smaller margin for error in getting the other things right, like quarterback and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess that's just what I don't know because it's not like guys in 2003 enjoyed playing for Belichick and thought it was awesome and he was a great guy. Like, I played for Tom Coughlin. I can guarantee you we weren't like, huh. I'm glad I live in the time I do because this is the way I'd like to be treated. These kids in 2022 won't like this. Like, no, everybody hated it. No, um, but do you feel players are a little more empowered these days to have their voice heard and things like that? Uh, they, uh, they are, and I guess the question then becomes, all right, is it, is it a matter of whether those guys can handle? Because, look, Belichick's had really good defenses the uh-huh, last few years. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, is, it, is yeah. it just defensive players that can handle being treated like that and not offensive players? Like it's not like the, it's not like it's not like the defensive players have just fallen apart and don't know how to be a good defense on the field. Yeah, here's Will Anderson. I, I in 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 just kind of like diving into this Belichick thing and wondering, okay, is all this stuff coming out from the documentary and these other stories out of one Patriot place or whatever it, the Gillette Stadium addresses that these negative stories coming out now after the fact? And if we're being honest, during the season this year, they were the third worst team in football. If if these impact Belichick's ability to get a job, here was Will Anderson on the Athletic podcast about players and how they need to feel love. A lot of people get mixed up with like thinking that players want approval, and players don't want approval. They just want to be shown the same love. You know what I'm saying? I think that's one of the key ways. If you want a player to play great, you show him the same love you show everybody else. Because he get that type of love, he sees that oh, this person is messing with me. Like they want me here, they love me then that's how you get the best out of a player. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you show that you care. A lot of people don't come from backgrounds that have a lot of love, that have a lot of care. So when they make it here, that's what they just want to feel that. You know what I'm saying? And I think for me, that's what I try to give, like that love, that care feel, because, bro, we're all in this, bro. We're all trying to do something special. And it's just a beautiful thing to see when it happens. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I mean, I had the coincidence of listening to these Will Anderson cuts shortly after reading through these articles about the dynasty documentary with Belichick, you know what I yeah, mean? So you, yeah, when yeah. you, when you absorb content, simultaneously or, or back to, you know, juxtaposed like that, then it, the, the contrast sticks out like the contra that what Will Anderson is saying there sounds like the polar opposite of what was going on up in Gillette stadium for 20 right, years. Right. Right. And yet like Bill Belichick has seven more 
or six more Super Bowls the victories than Will Anderson. Like I don't like it's I don't want to say the proof is in the pudding. Um, but it's like it's not that long ago that the Patriots won a Super Bowl. Like if, if kids change that much in the last five years that all of a sudden uh, you know they can't handle somebody like Bill Belichick. I like the wor- I worry more about Bill Belichick being seventy years old than I worry about like that his his style won't work. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm in denial about. I, I just it's just so easy, Sean, because like I, it's like every damn generation thinks that these kids are soft these days, you know. And meanwhile, like okay, uh, we like we 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 have the most lethal military the world has ever seen uh and they've been at war for 20 years and yet somehow also like ah these kids are softer than the kids who were back in my day like, all right i don't know man not all of them not all of them for yeah. sure so i yeah i don't know if um i don't like i i don't i don't think it's as simple as okay well bill belichick's hard to deal with because everything that will just said right there about how some kids grow up not having love yeah and a lot of those kids respond really really well to guys like bill belichick mm-hmm. like because man all right it's a it's a disciplinarian father figure that maybe they never had um but that like or nick saban yeah. like sometimes though sometimes those guys can fill a void and it's not the perfect filling of a void but but it is something like that i just don't but i think he's too old to do it again I yeah would, i'm skeptical that he can do it again yeah i i'm i'm just i'm very anxious to watch this documentary and kind of view it through the prism of Belichick's future you know like and, yeah, and, and yeah. Does, does this paint him in a way because I think people feel like it's just it's a it's a foregone conclusion he's going to be coaching in the NFL next year and yeah. and I think you and I are of the same mind like I would not hire Bill Belichick to coach my team I just I, I, I wouldn't I think his age is part of that too like I think it's you know well, some it's hard to change when you're 72 years old I think I think part of it too is just kind of like the way the winds change in terms of it's almost fashionable which type of guy to hire mm-hmm. or not and I still blame Ted Lasso for David Culley getting hired. I think that he had some kind of he had some kind of influence in that because there's never been a coach that's more like Ted Lasso than David Culley. Yeah, and uh, it, and I and I really feel like that that extreme golly aw shucks positivity. It, it was what it was what they felt like. Okay, let's give us the opposite of uh, let's go let's go outside the box. Let's get a Ted Lasso. Yes. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.